you, Pastor Lak Yong, for leading us in service and reading God's Word to encourage one of, every one of us here. And thank you so much, Hanshan, for leading us in song that describes how big our God is and the blessings that He promised to give to His people. We warmly welcome all those that join us today from near and far, and we pray that your time spent with us will be meaningful and fruitful as we listen to God's Word and apply it to our lives. My name is Jeff. I'm one of the pastors here, and I have the honour of bringing God's Word to you today. So let us begin. Now, recently, I watched a rerun of the movie Clear and Present Danger. So how many of you have watched? And I was told if you have watched, then you are old. You are very old. Well, it, it starred Harrison Ford of the Star Wars, Han Solo and Indiana Jones fame. Now in this movie, he acts as Agent Jack Ryan, whom he becomes an acting deputy director of the CIA, when Admiral Greer, played by James Earl Jones, is diagnosed with cancer. And so the movie starts like this. An American businessman, apparently a friend of the President of the United States of America, is murdered with his whole family on a yacht. And so an investigation ensued. And since the lives of Americans are in danger and poses a threat to the national security, the President declared, declared, it, what? declared it as a clear and present danger to be dealt with. So what is clear and present danger is everywhere around us. The international conflicts between superpowers, down to national conflicts between government and government policies and its people, and to the conflicts on a more personal and individual level. Now, these are all reported in our local newspaper, the Sunday Times last weekend. I would have expected more leisure and relaxing read but was unsettled as I continued to read the political flexing of economic muscles upon more dependent smaller countries. The deception of making false report uncovered of a family in terminating their domestic help when she threatened to report authority of abuse of employment. These are just examples of conflicts happening all over the world and in our lives. And conflicts are not new. But how it is resolved is more important to note, as we see here in the passage before us today. Just a brief background. Allow me to give a little background to what has happened before, in that Abraham, or Abram, through his misguided decision, headed down to Egypt. He faces fear for his life more than that of his wife Sarai when Pharaoh saw her beauty and took her into his harem. But God intervened with plagues upon Pharaoh, and as a result, Abram is sent away with his wife and everything he had. And so that brings us to our first point. Abraham went from Egypt to Negev with his wife and everything he had, and Lord went with him. Abram had become very wealthy in livestock, and in silver and gold. From the Negev, he went from place to place until he came to Bethel, to the place between Bethel and Ai, where his stand had been earlier. 
and where he had first built an altar, there Abram called on the name of the Lord. And so it seems Abram came out of a life-threatening situation unscathed and intact with all that he had and more. And so we know that the bounty of livestock was added upon Abram because of Sarai. That we see in chapter 12, verse 26. Allow me to read. It says here, He, the Pharaoh, treated Abram well for Sarai's sake. And Abram acquired sheep, cattle, male and female donkeys, for obvious reason, procreation, manservants and maidservants, and camels too. And now, precious metals of silver and gold makes for a very, very wealthy Abram. I know, right? There's, there's now a conflict brewing within us that wants to know, how can Abram be blessed when he lied, he deceived, and he cheated? Now, some commentators mention that it is too soon to punish him given the context of God's promising blessing in chapter 12 to Abram. But we discussed and learned that the bigger answer is only God can fulfill the covenant, for he is the covenant maker and the covenant keeper. So what happens to Abraham is not a morality issue, but a salvation story about God having the last word, not sin, nor the faithlessness of man. And so it's not a reward for sinfulness, but actually God fulfilling his promises. And in like manner, we see that God often blesses us despite our sin. And he does so because he is true to himself to fulfill the covenant. And so, one very stark Bible example came to my mind, that of the prodigal son. How the younger son asked for his share of inheritance only to squander away in wild living, came back and received with the magnanimity of his father. Totally undeserving of the son, yet totally gracious of the father. Would that be you? Would that be me? Undeserved of God's grace and mercy upon us. Yet in him we have redemption. He saves us. He saves Abraham. We have the forgiveness of sin. So it is totally God's work done God's way that determines the course of human history through Abram and his progeny that God's blessing shall go forth. Another thing to note would be that Abraham comes back changed as a faithful worshipper who calls on the name of the Lord at the altar earlier built before they left for Egypt. And so this is a hint of change in Abram's lives and it will be showed as the story unfolds. Does it not make sense then that if God intervenes for the salvation of Abram in keeping to his promise to bless, that we become willing worshippers of him also? Imagine being given second chances in life, battling from, from cancer, fighting from COVID-19 infection, contending to keep your business afloat, 
contending to keep marriage from falling apart, struggling to make ends meet, recovering from a shame-filled experience of being left out, and more. Would that make willing worshippers of us? I pray you do. I pray we do. Personally and togetherly, if there be any of this word in the English dictionary. So that we can move on trusting God in the midst of our trials, even if we did not earn them, for His hand is moving for the good of His glory, which is our good as well, eventually. And so, Asim, who joins us in our Saturday service, wrote a letter addressed to a few of us. She recounted her mistakes in life, and now, and not knowing what lies ahead of her todays and tomorrows, but trusts that in God, she will be saved and loved. Lessons not too late to glean from the pages of God's Word and experience of His presence currently in her life. So the lessons that to be drawn here would be willing worshippers. No matter how great we contravene against God, God always intervened to help us be to help us be willing worshippers of His good blessings in our lives. So how does it work out in practical sense? How it works out is that willing worshippers would return to God humbly. Willing worshippers would walk, would laugh, would serve wholeheartedly. Willing worshippers would take every opportunity to talk about Christ winsomely. Willing worshippers would come together now in virtual space and afterwards in physical space regularly. Willing worshippers would give, forgive freely and willing worshippers would give liberally. Willing worshippers, I guess you know where I'm travelling and you can fill in your blanks yourself, where your comfort level is to be challenged. Now ultimately, a willing worshipper is a worshipper that acknowledges God's divine intervention for the good of his making and keeping his own promise. This, my friend, should will us to worship God alone. And so from conflict with Pharaoh, we've moved on to the second point, point conflict within the family. Allow me to read now, Lord who was moving about with Abraham also had flocks and herds and tents. But the land could not support them while they stayed together, for their possessions were so great that they were not able to stay together. And quarreling arose between Abraham's herdsmen and the herdsmen of Lord. The Canaanites and the Perizzites were also living in the land at that time. So Abraham said to Lord, Let's not have any quarreling between you and me, or between your herdsmen and mine, for we are brothers. Is not the whole land before you? Let's part company. If you go left, I'll go right. If you go right, I'll go left. 
Lord looked up and saw that the whole plain of the Jordan was well watered like the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt towards Zoar. Now this was before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. So Lord chose for himself the whole plain of the Jordan and set out towards the east. So the two men parted company, and Abram lived in the land of Canaan, while Lord lived among the cities of the plain and pitched his tents near Sodom. Now the men of Sodom were wicked and were sinning greatly against the Lord. Notice here that Abraham and his nephew Lot were wealthy and seemed like staying together is not an option anymore. Why? Because the land could not support both their clans with all their possessions. Now is it because the land was small? Mind you, Although it is just a sliver on the world's map, the land is big, all right. Now, Singapore is just a red dot, but you try walking from south to north or north to south, with my speed, I think it will take me a whole day to walk. So it is not small as in size, but small as in resources. Small as in the scarcity of resources that ultimately cause strife between the two families' herdsmen. Hey, like Singapore, right? We are aware of our limited natural resources and even some will ask, what, what natural resources? God lah, who say don't have? Sungai Bulo Wetlands, East Coast Park, Pulau Ubin, Bishan Amokyo Park, and Coney Island. Now, with such limited resources, how are we going to enjoy, much less thrive, if we have to share it with foreign talents? Now, it is so with Abram and Lot that they are strangers in the land where the residents are the Canaanites and the Parasites. And the Canaanites and the Parasites would have occupied the most fertile parcel of land that would have caused the land not able to support the sharing of good soil and the well-watered land with Abraham and Lot. And as a result, tension happens between the herdsmen of the two clans. Now, ironically, God's blessing of riches is turned on his head to become somewhat of bringing conflict instead of peace. Now, does it mean that God is to blame? Please, don't and never say that God gives wealth just to make you miserable sharing with others. Or that God blesses us with foreign terrains to build and beautify our city landscape to say that they are stealing our jobs. Or that ARPC in the West is still not big enough to house all our ministries under one roof. Now the characteristics described about God from this book itself, right in the very beginning, is that all that he made was very good. And flowing to other parts of the Bible, one in particular says of every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights who does not change like shifting shadows. So we see that God is unchanging, Unchanging with his promise. What God says he does and what God says he keeps. 
Not also could a mention of the Canaanites and the Perizzites in the land suggest that although for now they inhabit the land, they will no longer be when God carries through with his promise to Abraham and his innumerable offspring to possess. What do you call that of God? A God who doesn't change with the ever-changing time and circumstances. Whatever and whenever we are unhappy about, it is likely our self-preservation working very hard to keep our gifts more than to recognize the giver of our gift. Which, which is, you are blessed to bless others. And this Abraham did, or Abraham did, by way of resolving the tension between Lord and his herdsmen, Abraham's humility and generosity is commendable when he offered first choice to his nephew, Lord. God bless Abraham, Abraham bless Lord. For although the entire land was rightfully his, yet he did not consider that right something to exploit. And so the humility and gener gener generosity of such acts comes only from a heart that knows the giver more than the gifts received. And so a pastor had a farmer friend in his congregation, and they were talking over a fence one day. And so the pastor asked the farmer, Hey, Abe, as in A.B. or Abraham, if you had 100 horses, would you give me 50? And then Abe replied, certainly. And the pastor asked again, if you had 100 cows, would you give me 50? Abe replied again, yes. And then the third time when the pastor asked, if you had two pigs, would you give me one? And then Abe said, now cut it out, pastor. You know I have two pigs. You got it? Generosity sounds good in the abstract. Many Christians picture themselves giving away half of an in inheritance. Fewer, it seems, can part with one pig. So let's be genuinely generous to each other. What God has blessed us not the least from the attitude of our hearts. And so to draw that lesson, bless to bless. That means you are blessed to be a blessing to others by being generous with your giving, genuine or genuine in forgiving, trustworthy in your friending, and trusting in the giver. Now please be mindful that Abram is a naive, perhaps generous to a fault now. Why? This time round, he trusts God more than he trusts himself when it comes to how God protected him from Pharaoh and what God promised him. What God promised him? Promised him a great nation, a great name, and blessings to follow. In the same way of his confidence in God, 
Abraham graciously extends the same following in God's faithfulness. While on the other hand, Lot acted ungraciously. How? He did it by not offering to share the land with his uncle to say the very least. Instead, he sees he take the well-watered land for himself and leaving his uncle to settle further from him in the land of Canaan. Now, what appeared to be the prime lord chose, however boats ominous as hinted in verse 10b. Allow me to read again for you all. This was before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. And verse 13, now the men of Sodom were wicked and were sinning greatly against the Lord. Now, this would suggest to us that a disaster is waiting to happen. So what can we learn here? We, what we learn here is that appearances can be deceiving. However, for though Lot's Lot was physically fertile, yes, well watered in the desert, water is precious, water is gold. It was also spiritually barren, for the Sodomites were indecently wicked, sinning greatly against the Lord. And in this sense, Lot did not take the spiritual consequences of his decision into account, but instead, he chose what appeared, what seemed to be the best land. Another example which comes to mind is an old, as the beginning of this book, Genesis. I guess you know why, what I'm referring to. Or something that looks good, but ultimately bad to the core. Yes, the ever so uncomfortable story of the fall of man. All due to what appears good for knowing, but turns out bad for obeying. And the rest, as they say, is history for humankind. So are you that person who is all showy but no substance? Or are you that person who is too good to be true? Or are you that person who is all talk but no action? Actually, it boils down to the same thing. All of and about appearances. Is it me? Possible. Is it you? Probable. Now there's a traditional saying that goes like, if you dress a donkey in a tuxedo, it is still a donkey. Now this is definitely not a Chinese saying, as the only time we dress our animals is on the dining table. But more seriously, let's clear, let's clearly and see God and His way over anything that may potentially drive us away from His blessing. Lesson here, see clearly what is good for your spiritual life more than what appears to be rosy. And moving on, in contrast to Lot, we read the final portion of chapter 13. And that of the Lord said to Abram, after Lot had parted from him, 
Lift up your eyes from where you are and look north, south, east, and west. All the land that you see I will give to you and your offspring forever. I will make your offspring like the dust of the earth, so that if anyone could count the dust, then your offspring could be counted. Go, walk through the land and breadth of the land, for I'm giving it to you. So Abraham moved his tents and, lived, and went to live near the great trees of Mamre at Hebron, where he built an altar to the Lord. Notice the difference of Abraham and Lot's looking. Lot looked up on his own accord, while Abraham looked up upon God's command. And so anything seen from God's perspective would be favoured just as God has promised blessing to Abraham, a great nation, a great name, and a great blessing. Now this is a repeat of what God's promise with a little bit more. With a little bit more in the physical sense of how Abraham is to walk the expanse of the God-given land. North, south, east, west of his view. Abraham has been generous with Lord and it stems from how God is generous with him by instructing him to stake claim to plant his flag, pile his piling, put up his fences in every direction, for all that he sees shall be his. Moreover, his family will be innumerable, innumerable as the sands of the earth. And this land given is freehold, yeah? Not in the sense of our colonial holdover, they call it, of what, how many years? What is our colonial holdover? It's 999 years. Or even our 99 years lease of our public housing, and after that, it belongs back to the government. But till today, the land that is given to our, the promise to Abraham is freehold, and today, it still stands. After so many millennia, it stands in the land of Israel. Of course, that will only last until the Lord Jesus returns and claims all that are His and in His kingdom. And so the result must yield a response of faith in God's promise, hearing repeated again to Abraham that God will make good what He says He will do. So he has taken almost, what, 30 years? About 30 years for God to bless us with our own promised land of 3,000 square meters. I don't know about you, I'm excited. Now, according to conventional wisdom, we have missed jumping on the bandwagon of prime and cheaper land of previous years offered as compared to the esca escalating prices of land scarce Singapore today. Did we really miss out on the prime choice and cheaper land of previous years since Adam Road Presbyterian Church started? Maybe, maybe not. But I reckon it is not the gaining of land that matters, though good to own, yeah? But the trust building of God's people to His promise through unshakable faith that matters eventually, for therein we find resolution 
through any and every conflict we face. Now, even though the land was given to Abram, he did not yet own any parcel of Canaan yet, which reminds us that the greatest blessings of the covenant lies in the future. This is where I will bring you to Hebrews 11, chapter 11, 16, that reads, Instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for He has prepared a city for them. So what the author of Hebrews says is that Abraham now is called, if he were looking for an earthly homeland, he would have returned to Haran. But he persisted in following God's leading and focusing on his promise, expecting a better heavenly country to come. A country far richer than the one he could see for the dwelling is God with man. And we know that the dwelling of God with man is made possible only in the person of Jesus Christ. Him, being the Word, became flesh and made His dwelling among us. And we have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. And so what is the lesson for us here? The lesson is, trust God no matter. See, we begin seeing the clear and present danger of conflict all around us. However, I want to end with a reminder for us to totally trust the clear and present dwelling of God in Christ through His Spirit in us to be willing worshippers, big-hearted blessers, wise-choice makers, and totally trusting of the God who makes and keeps promise of blessings. This, my friends, is, is how conflicts are resolved. It begins with God intervening into our lives, turning us back or turning back our hearts to Him, then trusting daily in Him and everything else in between is our thanksgiving to God's blessing. So let's step out in faith and experience the power and the presence of God in Christ through His Spirit, for His glory. Amen.